0: to Central Coast Chat, the podcast all about what's happening in the Monterey County area. I'm your host, Helica, Rall, a reporter and podcaster with the Salinas Californian, part of the USA Today slash Gannett Network. This week we spoke with recently elected Marina City Councilwoman Kathy Biala about anti-Asian violence and what she hopes to do for her community by being a leader. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Can you introduce yourself?
1: Yes. Uh, Thank you very much for this opportunity, Angelica. My name is Kathy Biala, and I'm a newly elected council member of the city of Marina. And I'm also the mayor pro tem. I had been a most reluctant candidate, as most women and persons of color tend to be. So I'm no exception when it comes to running for a public office. But I felt there was a need that I could fill for the benefit of Marina, a community I really love, a nation of Americans in my family. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and I am a retired master's prepared nurse.
0: And what is your background a little bit more in the Monterey County area?
1: So I've lived in Marina since 2014. Um, I was appointed to the Marina Planning Commission and served for over four years, acting as chair shortly before my successful election to the City Council. My civic involvement first came in my significant involvement in the closure of the CMEX sand mining plant in Marina. It was the last active sand mining operation on any US shores. I worked with key leaders in the region in promoting the issues before the City of Marina as well as before the Coastal Commission that made the final decisions. And after uh, the successful actions in closing this uh, CMEX plant, I co-founded Citizens for Just Water, an activist group that worked closely with um, public water now from the peninsula in opposing the Calamity South Plant in Reno. And Just Water worked very, very hard to rally our city in large numbers to advocate for environmental justice before the coastal commission being a disadvantaged community of color. And this was really my first experience attempting to outreach and galvanize our city, who were not used to participating in these ways. And indeed, the call was really overwhelmingly met. I was so proud of our city and our ethnic communities. And the Coastal Commission twice recommended denial of the Calam project. That's still in motion. this is uh, the process is still uh, currently uh, in, in place. So we don't know what the final determinations are of that. Marina is a community with 66% persons of color, a third Latinx, a third Asian and mixed race, and a third white population. We could be such a unique example of racial harmony and inclusiveness.
0: Yeah, and something I wanted to talk about with you today is this recent anti-Asian violence and just the tragedies that have been happening recently. Can you tell me a bit how that's affected you?
1: Yes. Certainly. Um, watching videos of the specific acts of violence against Asian Asians, um, solely because we are seen to be Asian, is quite traumatic to watch, as with many people. Um, I have many contacts with other Asian Americans in Marina, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, Filipino, Pacific Islanders, and Japanese. And I know that we all feel a sense of vulnerability and a sadness that no matter how participatory we have been in American life, no matter how successful we might be, no matter how decent of people we are, we can still be targets of racial hatred through no fault of our own. And this is the same base feelings that make targets of all people of color, whether you're brown, black, or Asian.
0: And what has been the reaction to this violence from your community, including perhaps people in local government, even your fellow city council members?
1: Well, I always expect a vocal few to give pushback and say condescending or ignorant or distracting things. It's hurtful no matter how seldom or often it happens. I do know that racism exists in our community and I think that luckily there are a few overt acts of violence here against Asian Americans, but there are many microaggressions and systemic practices that I do believe require attention here. Good people are not always aware of their own racism and thereby enabling the very system that sustains it. Marina is contemplating a study of a systemic racism at our city level. And I hope that we embark on it very soon. We, we, we wish to be aware of uh, existing or potential racism, not hiding from it. We wish to hear from our residents, our governmental workers and our officials so that we can identify our own issues and resolve them ourselves with the help of some professional experts, of course. I can't address so many serious injustices out there in the big world, in fact it makes me feel so hopeless and despondent sometimes. But surely we can work with people we know to talk about our feelings and experiences with our neighbors and try to make things more equitable, just, and inclusive in the very place we live, in the most important place to resolve racism. That's my hope.
0: And what would you like the public to know about this issue? Well, I've recently
1: come to the realization that people of color cannot by ourselves change systemic racism. We need a great swell of white folks to participate and help make change happen. I think we have to do something different this time around to make the next few years really propel us into a better society, a society that we have long dreamed of, talked about, sought after, without any lasting success. For whites, this is a big ask, I know. They are not subjected to the daily stresses of being a person of color. They may be overwhelmed with their own jobs and families just trying to get by. And that they still benefit from the privileges of being in the dominant group, even if they do nothing at all. So for whites, the risks and sacrifices far outweigh the need to strongly advocate for people of color but I do believe that the major involvement of those within the dominant groups with the power and influence and privilege will be that magic ingredient this time that gets us closer to the goalpost.
0: And lastly, through being a leader, what do you hope to do for your community?
1: Very good question. I think I am in very small, everyday ways, encouraging people of color to have visibility and have a voice. This is very difficult among my fellow Asians, since we have a cultural heritage that teaches us to be humility, to make not make waves and don't rock the boat and don't call attention to yourself, et cetera. Although this stance was meant to protect us, it really didn't. Racism against Asians continued. And if we tried to step out of that mode, then some would try even harder to push us down. Yet over the past two years, um, I have seen Asian folks now who never saw themselves holding a sign at a rally or making a public comment at a hearing or sitting on a commission, all now doing something that for themselves used to be unthinkable. But my running for office, uh, I'm also such an example of doing the unthinkable that if I can do this, so can others. By me being at the table, our council now has several people of color Appointments are being made that include persons of color to different commissions and committees. Attention is now being given to reaching out to marginalized sectors of our city. It is steering the community to awareness of the concept of a living, breathing diversity and experiencing the benefits of inclusion rather than fearing it or blocking it. I see my job on the council as enabling others to be involved in our local government as the first place where we change the status quo of systemic racism.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. New episodes of our podcast go live on our website every Friday at 4 p.m. And you can also listen to us on iTunes. Just search Central Coast Chat. For more of our coverage, check out our website, www.thecalifornian.com and follow us on Twitter, at Sal News.